0: and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be Growing in Grace. Let's begin in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in the 11th verse, it says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every winded doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplyeth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Maketh of increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This chapter is telling us of the importance of spiritual growth. We need to grow, it's essential to our spiritual health and well being. The reason that God puts different ministers and Christian people into our lives is to edify us and to help us grow into, as verse 13 says, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The purpose of spiritual growth is to become more like Christ. Philippians 2, 5-6 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, fought it not robbery to be equal with God. We are called to be like Christ in every way that we possibly can, and we are to operate in that calling. Psalm 82 and 6 says, I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. We are called to be gods with a small g. We are to have and to operate in dominion and authority under the lordship of God. John 14.12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. The only way we get to this point of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is by growth. And the word perfect that we find mentioned in Ephesians 4 doesn't mean to be perfect in terms of righteousness and our actions, but it means to be mature. And that is something that we need to strive for, spiritual maturity. Spiritual growth is a concept that has become lost on modern Christianity because it doesn't fit the religious agenda. Religion doesn't want people to grow. It wants them to stay in bondage. Religion loves the comfort of a stagnant legalism. And comfort is the enemy of progress. And growth, by definition, is progress and advancement. It's because of the love of comfort that growth isn't focused on today. The reason that we don't see miracles and healings and salvation on a larger scale is because Christians aren't growing like they're supposed to. They're not reaching the level of the fullness of Christ in their life. In order to better understand spiritual growth, we must look at natural growth. When we are growing naturally as children, growth occurs by itself. It's out of our control. We can eat the right things and drink the right things and provide the right environment for growth to occur. But the growing itself is something that we don't have the ability to consciously do. We can try to stretch our bodies out as far as we can and in doing so not add one inch to our height because growth is not ours to do. The case is similar with spiritual growth. The growth itself is the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Philippians 212 12-13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Our job is to eat the right spiritual food, study the Word of God, and spend our time in prayer and in worship. 1 Peter 2 and 2 tells us, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. When we do this, it creates the right environment in which growth can occur. God's part is the growth itself. This is something only God can do. He is the master potter. We give him the raw material, the clay, and he uses it to continually mold us into a closer replica of Christ. Our growth is never accomplished by our doing or our own effort. It is always purely and solely a work of God within us. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27 says, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? This verse applies to both the natural and the spiritual realms. In the literal sense, it means physical height, but it also means spiritual maturity, which is achieved by growth. We can't do it on our own. We need God to do it. We need to do our job and then let God do his. We need to give him space and time to work, and we need to trust him. Real spiritual growth always begins with surrender. Just like we saw before with God as the master potter, the clay must be fully submitted to the will of the potter before it can be molded into anything at all. The clay doesn't mold itself. It gives itself fully to the potter, and then the potter makes something useful and beautiful out of it. Our job, like the clay, is to fully submit ourselves to the will of God. It is God's will for us to grow. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Our rule is to surrender so that God can have his way. 1 Corinthians 15 and 36 says, Thou fool! That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Growth begins with our spiritual death, the death of our will. We need to die to ourselves and die daily. Romans 8.13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. We must die to ourselves because it is then that Christ begins to live through us and we start to grow closer and closer to the fullness of Christ in our lives. If we don't die to ourselves, then our will will eventually get in the way of God's will, which will only hinder our growth further. Let's go to James chapter one. In James chapter one, starting in the second verse, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now we see again the word perfect, which means mature. Many times when we grow physically, we experience growing pains. Other times we have grown and didn't even realize it. When we go through times of trial and pain in life, it's easy to become discouraged, but we can't allow discouragement to take hold of our lives. We need to learn to truly count it all joy because the seasons that we see that are filled with pressure, are only growing pains. These seasons in life aren't happening because we did something wrong or that God wants to punish us. They're happening because we are growing and becoming closer images of Christ. God is using these times to mold us into better people who are more like Christ so that we can be, as verse 4 says, perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The growing pains are difficult at the time and they're hard to endure but they are necessary. Without them, we would get nowhere. When we are growing, we change. Many people think that getting more spiritual knowledge means that they are growing, but knowledge is only part of the equation. In order for it to be true growth, our knowledge must have corresponding action. Some Christians grow in knowledge, but never have any real, lasting, change-inducing growth. Second Timothy 3 and 7 says, "...ever learning." and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Intellectual growth and spiritual growth are two very different things. We can't mistake the two. When you are truly growing and changing in your innermost being, it changes the way that you think and speak and act. 1 Corinthians 14 and 20 says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. Real growth has practical, observable results that manifests in our lives. James 1 and 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Our growth must result in action. Knowledge of the truth is experiential in nature. It comes through experience and through action. Part of growth is acting in the will of God and according to the word of God. Action is inseparable from true spiritual growth. Change is likewise inseparable from growth. You can't have growth without having change. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we grow, we get closer and closer to the heart and to the mind of Christ. If we do our job, this will happen naturally. God will do a work within us and bring our will into accordance with His will and bring our actions into accordance with His acts. This takes time. It's a process. It won't happen overnight. We need to wait on the Lord and give Him time and space to work. When Jesus was on earth, He grew. Luke 2 and 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He went through the process. He allowed change to take place. Many Christians try to prevent change from taking place because they are afraid of the unknown, and change is many times uncomfortable. It's because they don't welcome change that they don't grow, either individually or corporately. We will never become the best people that we can be, and the church will never reach the full power and the potential available to it if we fail to embrace the change that comes from the Spirit of God. Frank Bartleman once said, A revival almost always begins among the laity. The ecclesiastical leaders seldom welcome reformation. History repeats itself. The present leaders are too comfortably situated as a rule to desire innovation that might require sacrifice on their part, and God's fire only falls on sacrifice. An empty altar receives no fire. Now this brings us back to surrender, The way we welcome change and allow real growth to take place in our lives is to fully surrender our will and our whole being to God so that he can work in us and bring about the change within our lives. And that will happen if we give him full control. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. In Romans, chapter 12, in the first verse, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. This passage is showing us the concept of surrender. Paul tells us that this is our reasonable service unto God. God isn't asking us to do something impossible or something that's extremely hard, but he is asking us to give ourselves over to him who gave himself for us. Then in verse 2, we see that once we have surrendered all to God, we are transformed and we're renewed. Both of these terms demonstrate growth. Our faith can only grow in the soil of surrender. Then in the third verse, we see grace, which is important for us to note. When we spiritually grow, we are growing in grace. 2 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18 says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Some people, instead of progressing in growth, end up regressing. This happens because they didn't provide the right environment for growth to occur and because they didn't fully surrender their lives to Christ. Galatians 5 and 4 says, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You're fallen from grace. Now, this verse is crucial to our study. This is the only time that the phrase fallen from grace appears in Scripture. Falling from grace didn't mean that they were no longer forgiven or that they were now destined for hell. Falling from grace meant that they weren't growing in grace. They were falling back from grace into their old ways of legalism. Instead of moving forward in grace and allowing themselves to be changed from glory to glory, By the Holy Spirit working within them, they were moving backwards into the bondage of the law. They were making the conscious choice to live under the bondage of the law instead of by the liberty and the freedom of grace. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in the fourth verse. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. It is never God's will for someone to fall from grace back into legalism. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Paul said in verse 8 of Galatians 5, This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. God always desires for our growth but we must allow growth to do its work. Anybody who tells us that we are not to grow is not speaking for God. We know that that persuasion doesn't come from God. Bayard Rustin was the planner of the March on Washington in 1963, and he was a close advisor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He once said, the only way to reduce ugliness in the world is to reduce it in yourself. Any real, sizable change on a corporate level, always starts with the individual. If we want to see our society and our culture become more Christ-like, the only way that we can do that is by allowing ourselves to become more Christ-like. We can't change others. Only God can do that. We can only change ourselves. And we can't fear change. We need to embrace the new work that God wants to do in us. That is how we will move from glory to glory. We can see revival in our time. Our society needs it now more than ever. But it all starts with us. We need to grow, and we need to move from the milk to strong meat. Hebrews 5.14 says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The Christian church as a whole hasn't seen the power of God manifested as it should have, because they haven't changed from glory to glory. They're stuck on the milk, and they're refusing to move on to the strong meat. We can be the ones that change this. Matthew 5 and 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now that we know that it is God's will for us to grow, let's make that decision today to surrender all to Him and allow Him to work in us and to grow and to mold us into the people and the vessels that He wants us to be so that he can show forth his power through us and usher in the revival that he is seeking to bring amongst us. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word and for revelation from your word. We thank you that you have provided a way for us to grow. Lord, we know that the growth itself is your work, Lord God. Help us to provide the right environment. Give us the initiative to seek wisdom from your word. Give us the strength and the courage to call out to you for wisdom so that we can grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ that you want to see within our lives, Lord God. We thank you that you've given us your will and that we know that if we bring ourselves in accordance with your will and if we seek first your kingdom, that you will bring everything that we need unto us. And Lord, we thank you for the change that you want to bring about in our lives, Lord God. Help us to not fear change, but to embrace it and give us the courage to move on from glory to glory by the inworking of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to grow in grace and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for His forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven And you ask for his free gift of eternal life if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it then you are now a part of the family of god welcome to god's family we want to thank everybody for listening today we appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us if you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com And if you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.